Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage of
I see um, I've got my Canadians logged in. I'd love to hear from you guys. I was about to bug you to see uh, uh, how things are going up there in the Great White North. Hopefully we're thawing out a little bit, and um, I know you guys are uh, doing some great work up there. So hopefully um, hopefully we'll get an update from Manitoba and uh, Winnipeg. Um, we're going to hear from Becca today. We've got some things brewing that uh, are, I don't know, hugely potentially amazing and yet highly frustrating on many levels. Um, we launched a campaign, I don't know, almost two months ago that we called the Hashtag How Come Campaign. And it came from some of our members bouncing around ideas, and we said, uh, one of them came up with this concept of, of uh, billboards, you know, after the, you know, the movie with all the billboards in it and getting the, the message out, and came up with an idea that said, you know, what if we were to uh, get some billboard messages up there, and the notion of that was going to be, you know, why is it that we spend all this money locking people up, and yet we still have 7,000 untested rig kits out there. Why is it that, and, you know, you can go on and on and on, the whole safer concept, you know. Cannabis is safer than every damn thing. Um, you know, there's this, there's this dichotomy uh, of a reality that we live in, and somehow cannabis is the bad thing, yet it's never hurt anybody. And all FDA-approved substances can kill you, but they're okay because they're legal. And, and the, the question, and again, one of our members came up with this idea of, of a way to present that, and the way was simply hashtag how come. How come these things are happening? How come we spend $75,000 a year per inmate in the state of California to house somebody and a violent offender, somebody who has um, committed gross bodily injury crimes, breaking an entry, burglary, arson, uh, rape, uh, manslaughter, even murder, will get released on less time than they're convicted of. So in California, state prisoners serve half time which means that if you get a sentence of five years, um, as long as you don't pick up more time, you'll get credit for every t all the time that you served prior to your conviction, and then you'll get two for one. So for every day that you serve in there, you get credit for two. So essentially you'll do half of your sentence, um, even if it's a horrible, heinous crime. Just recently, we had a judge that I guess got overturned from sentencing a rapist. Uh, I think it was a child rapist. Um, too light of a sentence, and some other judge or some appeal found a way to reverse it, and I guess he's going to get a more deserving sentence. But what happens, especially in California where we have three strikes laws, and there's similar laws in other parts of, of the country, um, and in the federal where we have mandatory minimums, you get people like Craig Cecil and, and some of the others 
that are guilty, if guilty at all, but if they are guilty of anything, it's of a crime, and I put up air quotes if you're not watching me, um, a crime of possessing or cultivating or conspiring or transporting or manufacturing something that has to do with a plant, okay? That's our that's our version of a crime. And we've set up the laws in such a way that if you have a certain amount of plants or if you happen to possess a firearm while you're growing these plants or whatever, there's all these enhancements that they have to offer. If the right set of circumstances come together, you can be facing many 20 years to life without it being that difficult. You have Michael Thompson, you know, serving a, a, I don't know, was it 30 to 50 year sentence in state court up in Michigan. Um, It's unconscionable if you actually know what's going on, if you've gone, if you've seen what's gone, what happens inside of prisons, if you, you know, it's, Maybe some of the movie renditions of it are accurate. Maybe they're not. But the bottom line is prisons are a violent, um, horrible place. And they're not a place that somebody who didn't victimize anybody belongs in. (laughs) We have a constitution that's supposed to guarantee that. We're supposed to be protected from cruel and unusual punishment. Now, if you think about cruel and unusual punishment, you would think, oh, well, that just means, you know, torture, getting drilled in your eyeballs or or some electric treatment or waterboarding or whatever they want to call that, torture. <laughs> but the truth is cruel and unusual punishment has also to do with the punishment fitting the crime. You know, um, what is it, Hammurabi's Code, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, okay, <laughs> I, I bought a, I bought or sold or grew a plant, what does that mean, I get a, have a plant taken from me, uh, or something, I don't know, I mean, it, it doesn't, I don't get where you go from a nonviolent action without a victim to a violent um, and, and uber uh, uh, restrictive, uh, even beyond that, punishment and to to lose your your freedom to lose your ability to uh be be human in a lot of ways if you're locked up with very few exceptions one of the things they try to do when you're incarcerated is to strip you of your humanity even the time that I spent you know locked up it was a very inhuman place um you're treated like an animal. You're treated in a way that is less than human. And it's done that way on purpose. You know, they uh, would tell you very clearly, this is jail, not Yale. It's, you're here to be punished. This is not a place for you to um, enjoy yourself in. And if you can find a way to exist in this world, um, good for you. Most people don't exist very well in that world. And so we think to ourselves, how come? How come we have violent people that get out 
in much less time than they're even sentenced to. And how come people get sentenced for long sentences when they had no victim? And we, as the Human Solution International, have championed the cannabis plant as, as a place to start. But we're a civil rights group. We champion the concept of this, you know. Um, it's funny, as an organization, you know, everybody, for the most part, everybody that's ever been involved with the Human Solution, uh, everybody that's been a member, they're, you know, we're, we're pot people. But from its inception, from, from the very beginning, the organization has tried to separate itself from the pot groups because we're not a pot group. We're not a legalize it group. I, I have spoken ad nauseum about my thoughts on legalizing it. We need to remove this from the category of activities that would be considered a crime. We could call it decriminalize it. You could call it um, abrogate. You can call it um, re or um, what do you call it when you, anyways, sorry, I, I'm having a little bit of a floaty day today. I guess some people consider that to be amusing, so I hope I am amusing today to those of you who, who like that. Um, so, how come? That's our campaign. How come? So we said to ourselves, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get some billboards? So, um one of our members came through and said, well, you know, you can get a billboard space pretty cheap if you can find a rural place that doesn't have, you know, any use of it. You can find maybe for 600 bucks a month and then rent it for a month and if nobody rents that space over it, you can hang your banner for, you know, six months or who knows how long until the banner's tattered. I said, well, that seems like a cool idea. Who's going to pay for it? Well, of course, the obvious answer was we have all these people in the cannabis industry. We have everywhere you look, everywhere I go, in California, for God's sake, I can't go 10 steps without somebody approaching me about an offer on a cannabis business. You know, you know what we should do? Oh, I got this, or somebody, you know, licensing this, legalizing that, uh, Whatever it's all, it's it, everybody's thoughts out here are are on this industry. I last week had to apologize because we weren't able to put together a um, an event for Kirsten from Fija, the Fully Informed Jury Association, to come and teach people about their rights as jurors here in California because we passed a legalization bill that allows some limited licensing, so everybody thinks everything's cool. And I couldn't get 10 people to come together and get a location to, to have this event at. And so I, unfortunately, had to apologize for that. I'm very seldom um, denied when we set out to do something. But everybody's got other things on their mind, I suppose. Here at the headquarters chapter, the one that started it all, um, we came up short. I haven't heard from her since. Hopefully... Uh, she she gets over this. I, I feel crappy about it. I just didn't have any way to materialize it. So what's happening is I'm saying to myself, how come all these cannabis businesses aren't helping? But I don't want to be confrontational. 
I don't want to be adversarial. I just want it to work. I actually want them to help. So I made an offer two or three weeks ago to any owner or manager of a cannabis. It could be a dispensary, a delivery service, a grower, somebody who makes products, somebody who uh, has some business, whatever, a transportation company, security, I don't care, something that's involved in the cannabis industry. And I want to talk. Come on the show, call in. By the way, if you want to join the show, pick up your phone and dial 929 I'm oh, sorry, 646 area code, 929-2495. And um, it looks like we have our amazing Becca today doing our screening. Uh, hopefully non-compliant Mary is just out there being non-compliant rather than uh, something went wrong, and hopefully she's all right. But the point is you can join this show. I welcome you to join this show. I invite you to join this show. Hell, I challenge you to join this show. Call in and tell me what's going on. Tell me what you're thinking about. Tell me how come you, as a cannabis operator, you as a cannabis owner, you as a cannabis manager, are not helping us end prohibition, finish the job. You know, what I see and what I hear are the license places are not generating the same revenue that they had anticipated. You know why? Oh, the taxes are too high. People aren't willing to spend the prices that they have to charge as a licensed place. 30, 40, 50% taxes in some cases. Crazy. You know, we might as well be smoking gasoline or, you know, whatever. There's, there's very few things taxed as much as cannabis is and is about to be. So the question is, again, how come? How come you are either not helping us, or you might ask me, how can I help? That's a better conversation. I'd love to help you help us. And the third and maybe even best way is to tell us how you are helping. But now for two weeks, three weeks I think we're going on, of an open invitation on this radio show, which collectively, I guess, I don't know, there's probably been eight or 9,000 people that have been reached on the last couple of shows by various means. Not one, not one response, not a single one. And I have to wonder, how come? How come are we not reaching them? Are we not in the nine or Eight or nine or ten thousand people that we've reached out to, do none of them, did not one of the people we reached own or have an interest in a cannabis business? Did not one of the people that we reached know somebody and felt inspired to go ask them? Why didn't, haven't we gotten one person yet? Not one person yet. So, Becca's going to get on the line, although she's screening calls right now. So, as soon as she's done screening calls, she's going to jump on the line for a minute and tell us a little bit about what she did. And I'm going to ask you, the listeners, to help. 
need your help. Most of the listeners that I see that are on the live stream, and by the way, thank you to everybody who's on the live stream. We have two of them running, one from Lisa Wooldridge's and one from my public figure page. And uh, I want to thank everybody that's on here right now. So whoever's listening, if you know anybody, if you have a dispensary that you use, a delivery service, if you know anybody that has any kind of a cannabis business on any level whatsoever, can you pass along an invitation to come on this show? Let me talk to you for a couple of minutes and ask you these questions. How come? How come we're not ending prohibition? You know, the hazards of this, the pitfalls of all of this legalization shit is that a few people have access to a quote-unquote legal (laughs) method or legal route. Problem is, as most of us know, is we have federal law, except for our lovely Canadian friends who don't have the same restrictions. But here in the States, we have a federal law that directly defies the state laws that are allowing and licensing this. Straight up. And we have a supremacy clause that says that the federal law is the supreme law of the land and will trump state law, even though, and that's not a pun intended, (laughs) even though we have a Tenth Amendment that allows states to be sovereign entities and allows them to experiment and do things that might fall outside of federal law, if the federal government decides to enforce the federal law, it will win. It always does. I don't know if you've ever sat in a federal court, if you've ever sat in a federal trial, but I have. I've sat in a number of them. And the first thing, or within a very short time after the jury's been seated, in a pot case, the federal judge will address the court and address the jury and and make it very clear that this is Oh, non-compliant Mary's here. Everybody give a big old hand. All right. She's back, and we welcome her. Thank you, Becca, for covering. Becca is the cover-your-ass girl. We love Becca. All right. So, anyways, that all being said, if you've ever sat in a federal trial, one of the first things the judge will say, he will address the jury and say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I want to let you know First of all, that this is a federal court, and that in this court, federal law applies. And so if this is a case where you seek to bring in state exemptions and state this and state that, it will not be allowed. It will not be, uh, it's not part of this. And that's how it works. You won't be able to to introduce the fact that you are a, a legally operating state compliant. Look at Charlie Lynch, although it looks like he may be finally okay now, 11 years after his conviction and sitting in a, in appeal. Um, if you go into court today, you'll likely still get convicted the same. So for everybody who's legal and carries a piece of paper that says, I'm licensed by the city of whatever and the state of whatever to do this, realize if the feds ever come down and drop the hammer on you, you're still fucked. 
And yeah, we passed a law that's supposed to defund the use of the DEA when the states are, or when somebody's being state compliant. But the truth is, if they want you, they'll get you. I've seen it happen. It's still happening. Hell, they're still busting people in states. We have cases. We have a defendant that may call in from Colorado today. We have Dana Beal, a case in California going on right now. We have cases in Washington, not a lot in Oregon. Somehow Oregon, but there's, again, I keep saying there's not a lot of people in Oregon. So it's not as likely to pick up a case. All right, we got Craig Cecil calling in, and then we're going to go over to Becca, and um, we'll keep on going.
that's something that um, will help your situation. I think from that point of view, I agree that, you know, prison can be dangerous and people will lash out at other people for, you know, all kinds of reasons. And and often you're talking about people that aren't real mentally stable. So having that bit of notoriety, having, you know, that actually helps me that, you know, that other people will say, oh, no, 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 we need this guy. <laughs> well, yeah, so I, I mean. That, that, is, that, is, that does help me from a safety point of view, I believe. Absolutely. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, people are people wherever you go. And even if you get a group of, of convicts in the same room, there's, there's there's an element of humanity there. And there will be the thing that happens when people get together. And that's sometimes good, sometimes bad. But there's a thing that makes us human that happens when we all get together. <clears throat> and that's that's what kind of my point was, is at least it's a it's an opportunity to to claim some of that humanity and, 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 you know, feed on it, if you will. And as you've mentioned before, a lot of prison staffers just, uh, I mean, they have a desire to taunt the inmates. This week in, in my cell block, the uh, unit manager, she's is her title, she's the, like the boss of the cell block, I suppose, the manager. And uh, she just decided she was mad about a, a plug being missing. And uh, within the housing unit, and uh, so she was called from a federal prison. All of us that live in Elm Cell Block here, where I live, are not allowed to use the email or any of those uh, electronic services all week. They just lock the room that that holds all those terminals, and we're just not allowed to use it. So, with no notice, with you know, having done absolutely nothing wrong to receive any kind of sanction like the loss of the use of email, we're all sanctioned to having no email access all this week. And it's just because, you know, this, this person feels they can do that, they can assert their authority, and they can feel like, I don't know, however they feel, just trying to um, antagonize the hundred of us that live here in the cell block. Well, that's just, that's just crappy. What about your tooth? Did you get your tooth finally fixed? No, I haven't, but I did receive a notice just tonight that I am to be seen by a dentist tomorrow at 10 o'clock. All right. So, unfortunately, I think it may be the dentist that I have all the complaints against. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I'm a little bit apprehensive about this, but I'm, I, I would have to hope that somebody of that caliber really wants to keep their job. So. I, I hope they'll actually do the right thing. <laughs> I'd hate to be a, a viewer in your dreams right now. I, I can only imagine the nightmares that could come out of that. Yeah, have you ever had a nightmare about the mad dentist? Oh, <laughs> no, but I could imagine one. I have, unfortunately, a very vivid imagination, and I, I thank God my subconscious likes me, I guess, enough not to do that to me. <laughs> but, geez, I could imagine the, the terror that could evolve. The, the level of trust that you have to have to have somebody work on the inside of your mouth is uh, unbelievable. And then to have somebody betray that trust on any level is, uh, that's a horror. I mean, I'm surprised there haven't been horror movies about the, you know, the, the, the crazy dentist. Or maybe there haven't. I'm just not a big horror buff. But uh, I could just think that that would be a thing that could be terrifying for sure. 
So tell me, Craig. Somebody operate a power tool on your head. Exactly, exactly. Well, we were just talking earlier about cruel and unusual punishment and how the Constitution is supposed to protect us from cruel and unusual punishment. But I was equating that very punishment to a nonviolent crime being punished by a long sentence in a violent place it seems to me that that would be both cruel and unusual as far as the crime. You know, the, the Hammurabi's code of a, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you would think that, you know, if your, if your crime was uh, an infraction of some ridiculous um, um, ordinance, that the penalty would be some ridiculous fine. But instead, as you found out, it doesn't always work that way. And, you know, this whole notion of cruel and unusual punishment gets tossed out the window when you have mandatory minimums and, um, um, what do you call it, um, enhancements, that's the word. It sounds just like such a nice word, enhancement, but in the, in the sense of the federal sentencing guidelines, it's not so great. Well, and the, the Supreme Court has actually uh, addressed that exact issue several times as to is it cruel and unusual to give somebody a life without the possibility of parole sentence, which is really, you know, other than the death penalty is the, you know, the harshest sentence anybody could get. Is it really, you know, not cruel and unusual as applied to a marijuana offense? And the uh, Supreme Court has decided that it's not cruel and unusual because uh, Congress wouldn't have passed the law that's cruel and unusual. <laughs> Hell no, they wouldn't do that. Their argument kind of collapses on itself. Yeah, yeah. What about what about placing an item in the list of the most dangerous chemicals, uh, uh, the very item that has never harmed anybody? I would say that might be a little cruel. Certainly, certainly unusual. So yeah, I I uh, I don't know what to say on that one. I I have very little confidence in Congress or. Hell, any elected office, for that matter. Oh, yeah, and we, we've heard the recent talk uh, from the president saying that he wants the death penalty imposed on uh, drug offenders. <laughs> well, I think he's a little preoccupied with uh, with his own issues now. That his attorney's been raided, and he, he he's poking at the Russian bear a little bit. I think I think he's not so much thinking about the drug dealers this week, anyways. No, he's more worried about his attorneys and everything else. Exactly. His, his, uh, actually work for him. <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how all that works. I don't. I don't know. But you're typically um, in touch with news items that many of us don't ever bother even seeing. I mean, you know, you have a. a a vantage point that allows you a particular uh, focus that many of us don't have. So have you caught anything in the news specifically that uh, piqued your interest this week? No, the, the only thing that is uh, kind of piquing my interest generally, though, is there's been more and more of a mention from a handful of congressmen and even the president on uh, uh, prisoner issues as far as you know, are we releasing prisoners from prison without really a 
ends our lives, you know, where, you know, they can't get jobs, they can't live successful lives, and they end up back in prison. And um, there seems to be a push to at least look at that. And I think if, if they are going to look at, you know, what are these people's chances on release, they have to look at, you know, what is a person's chance on release if you give them a three-year sentence for marijuana or if you give him a 25-year sentence for marijuana. Because after 25 years, you know, he's lost any currency and any job skill he did have, you know. Yeah, it's a whole different world. Even even five or ten years later, it's just not the same world anymore. We we Society progresses with technology and, and the job markets and everything, even socially, um, at such a crazy level. I look back ten years ago, and, and, and the way things are done today – and the way things are perceived today, it's not the same place. It's just not the same place. I mean, there's states that have actually cut their uh, drug sentence terms in half, and they've actually lowered their recidivism rates. Those people get out of prison, and they're less likely to commit new crimes. And, and I would have to think it's because they still have a family network. They still have a, you know, a friend network and a job network and all that, you know, to get them back on their feet and Well, how do you address 
those like me that are, you know, serving life in prison for what, what you know, so many people are saying is not legal and enjoying it as legal. So, That's quite a question. Think, uh, Damn it. There he goes again. <clears throat> All right. Well, I got disconnected for the first time, and this shouldn't have been happening, so... I'm going to relaunch my uh, live feed here. If you want to call in this show, you pick up your phone and you dial 646-929-2495. We have two live feeds going, and um, Lisa Wooldridge's is still running strong. I'm on my take two, so it's not even connecting. So I don't know. Maybe I don't have a take two. all right. Well, that being said, we got a lot of callers. We have a um, mystery show today. So I'm not going to tell you who's on the line. I'm going to bring them up one at a time. So we're going to start off with David. And hopefully Becca will stick around. Um, D- Becca will come after David. So what I have here, I don't know David, but I have that he's a veteran and a marijuana patient from Maryland, and he wants to speak. I may know David. Let's see if it's the David I know in Maryland. David, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So tell me All what's right. going on. You're a, you're a veteran and a, uh, and a patient, and what yeah, can we okay. do here to help you? Well, my, my name's not David. It's Ryan, Ryan Walton. Oh, well, I've got you as, as David. Well, that's part of the mystery show. Sometimes people mix up their names. And so welcome to the show, Ryan. I appreciate uh, you correcting that. <laughs> sure, no no problem. That, that that was my dad's name. He passed away last summer, so I didn't want to confuse that. My condolences. Yeah, so, uh, so I'm a veteran. Uh, I'm retired Army, uh, which is unique for my age. I'm, I'm 32 years old, and... Uh, I didn't spend a, a, a ton of time in the service, but I was I joined the National Guard in 2005, and by 2011, I was retired. Uh, I was inside the 2009 Fort Hood shooting terrorist attack. Wow. So, uh, so I was I was very grateful to have survived that. Uh, I was in a in and off uh, pretty. While there weren't serious back injuries, the back injuries that I had were enough for a back surgery that, you know, I, I turned out and had an infection and things and uh, ended up uh, being on a lot of opiates and just basically was going uh, medically, was just going really bad. And uh, so I ended up kind of gaining more weight, uh, having more severe back pain, ended up laid up. Uh, I had bouts where I felt like I maybe could get back up again, but, you know, it was weird. You know, every time I tried to, you know, I understand I might have seemed a little crazy trying to get my life back, but, you know, it, it's I never got a chance to really transition into life after service, you know. Uh, the shooting happened. I was awarded the Meritorious Service Medal. I was retired and then later found disabled by the VA, and, and I never really had a chance to, like, grip my thoughts and what I want to do in life and, and where I want to go. But, um, but then, you know, while I was on the opiates, as I said, I was in a hospital bed. I, I had 
multiple different pieces of equipment that was helping me go to the bathroom. Uh, the most important part is I was 395 pounds, which was just absolutely horrendous for me. Um, I was going probably. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. No, I yeah, think so... that's, that's very oh, okay. big. 395 pounds. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. So I'm six five, so you know I can handle some weight, but anything close to four hundred, that's just wow. But uh, so uh, I would say at one point with all, so I was on one hundred and fifty micrograms of fentanyl uh, through fentanyl patches uh, at one point. So that's that's two seventy five microgram patches you're wearing, you know. Um, and I was on those with like short acting, long acting morphine. All of this is coming from the VA, from civilian providers. Um, I went through the process of the oxys and stuff like that. I was in legitimate pain. You know, I, I had no other source and, and truth be told, I'm going to put this out right now because I think this is like a really terrible part of the stigma. Maybe they could easy, get the cannabis easier, but if they're not supported in it or their family, like, disgraces it and makes you feel even worse about yourself because of it, then you're obviously not going to find it, you know. Um, so it, it was really hard for me to prove, I guess, that, first of all, I wasn't a total loony tune. Uh, but that, A, I needed to get off these psych meds. They were going to kill me. I mean, at one point, I was in the VA as a patient. I was supposed to be there for 90 days. After 28 days, my now wife came and basically drugged me. She didn't drag me out of there. I knew I needed to leave, but I was coughing up blood uh, at the, the day that she was coming to get me then. She, I sent her a picture of it. It was terrible. They had me on Effexor, and they had me on the Seroquel, and then they had me on uh, Haldol three times a day, which was just like unbelievable. I was drooling on myself and I was just a total mess. And I went in there and I had THC in my system, like in my blood, but I had a legitimate prescription for Marinol. Like I actually have, I had a prescription for Marinol before like our products went live in Maryland, you know. Um, so the VA didn't believe that, though, because why? Because I wasn't a cancer patient. Marinol used for a short time for pain as well, and then they just stopped it again recently. Um, but that's how – and my doctor was very well read into these things, and he knows, and I know, there was nothing illegal done. So it, And it, it wouldn't be illegal anyway. It was a prescription. So, um, But they went in my medical records, and they totally – so they put in my medical records that I have a cannabis – Cannabis dependency disorder, and I'll give I'll, I'll give you a moment to give me your thoughts on that part because that confuses even me. Well, I'll give you my thoughts on that. I know a number of people that have been accused of the exact same thing, and there are people that have been accused by the VA, by um, Kaiser, the the healthcare system. I have a dear friend who was a, an RN, and um, she was accused of cannabis dependency many years ago and had to fight a huge battle to uh, to get her disability and her retirement. She ultimately ended up winning, but it was many, many years of fighting nonstop. 
It's it's, you it's know, a ridiculous possible statement, though, when you compare it to these opiates that are by their own nature highly dependent, and then you compare it to cannabis, which, you know, whatever dependency it might have would be psychological, which you could be dependent to a rock or to, uh, you know, a cup of water, whatever it is that was your thing. Right. So um, it's right. the same. Well, on that same token, I just got back from Lone Survivor Foundation down in Houston, Texas, down in, well, it's, we're on like closer to the coast, but it's, it's out of Houston, you know? And, um, you know, the biggest thing I can tell you about that dependency, dependency stuff is this. I went down there for, I, I traveled on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, my flight was canceled. Uh, and I ended up having to deal with that stressful moment, which I didn't lose my mind, which was amazing. And I had to, on Tuesday, fly back home here. You know, I did all that without, I, I didn't, you know, I could have never done that, I guarantee you, without opiates. If I would have ran out or didn't bring enough to cover me for that travel or the canceled flight, there's absolutely no way I wouldn't have had a freak out. It's that simple. Like, but cannabis, it, it wasn't that. So, and it, it's productive in that manner. I can still do my life and, and continue my medication and treatment, you know, and I'm not I'm not anchored to a bed or a bottle or a liquid or whatever it comes in, um, and I'm able to experience life too. So, so in that same note, like they put in my medical record that I smoked a bowl of weed a day, which now, oh, yeah. yeah, which now I I did I do now, but I have whole I have whole plant product now that I can do that with before. I was just on the Marinol. Like, I don't understand. So what they did with that then is all of these nurses and providers and doctors, and and I'm copy and pasted all of this information throughout my medical record. And with that, I know they copy and pasted it because, well, one, it's, in quotes, it says, smokes a bowl of weed a day. So they're saying, I said that. And then some of the people made a mistake. Like, they called me Dr. Walton instead of Mr. Walton, you know. And they they copy and pasted that Dr. Walton thing all throughout, like, 20 days of records. And also, the even worse part I found out is they totally faked my vital signs um, on my record. So while I, I, it was proven that I had pneumonia when I got out of the VA because I was coughing up blood. I was really, really sick. I, I had fevers, and they, they refused to document my fevers. In fact, they even put that my pulses and my vital signs were normal, and basically everything was fine. They never documented that I was coming to them on a daily basis. Feeling like I was going to die, frankly, uh, and I, I don't know if it was all the meds they had me on or what, but I was I was done for. And my wife has already said she's like Ryan, you were going to die if I didn't come get you. And she said she felt that. Yeah, there was no proof behind it, but truthfully, now I think back to it, I'm lucky I just didn't fall and smash my head and die on all the drugs I was on. You know, it's just it's just such a crappy thing. So tell me. Um... Ryan, were were there any any groups that 
you know, were there to help you, or or did you feel like there was, you know, I've struggled. We we have a group called the Human Solution International. We're a civil rights advocacy group, and I have been wanting to work with veterans for, I don't know, about 10 years, and, and we'll get a group of people together, and we'll talk about what we're going to do, but for whatever reason, um, I haven't had a single veterans group. I haven't been able to even launch a veterans wing of our organization, even though I've wanted to. I've never served in the military, but I have relatives that go back to the Revolutionary War that have, and I have many, many friends who are veterans, and I just think to myself, what is it that we could do to get enough veterans together to work together to, to, to help raise awareness? And I don't have an answer. Well, That's why I'm asking. Well, number one is uh, there's a couple people I, I can mention because I think they're important. I mean, I, I mean if, if not for anything else, I'll just say that I did this with these guys. Like, when I was down and out, um, even recently, like in the past, Six months, I had a time where I kind of fell off again. When my dad died, I fell off again. But, you know, I, I've gotten in a much better place after this weekend even. I had some really powerful therapy done. But uh, Jose Belin, you know, with Mission Zero is a good group right now that guys can, can look into. And he's, he's raising major awareness for veteran suicide. Robert Kowalski and Chris Mueller, they're, all three of those guys right now are up in Pittsburgh at the World Cannabis Convention. And uh, Kowalski's up there. He has a device that he is trying to promote. I totally support it. I'm behind him 100%, and I, I, I plan to uh, help him with this in the future, and I'm, I think it's going to go big. But, it, okay, so think of those medical alert devices that we had. Uh, well, I had one when I was laid up. Um, I had one. I wore a bracelet that was a button I could push and get 911 called for me. Well, this is this is sort of like that, but it's for veterans with PTSD. It looks like the insurances will cover it, but it would be for a next level uh, communication that is either going to be set up with or without the VA system. They don't want anything to do with us. They're actually, they actually don't like it at all. I know why they don't like it at all, but they don't like it. I am trying to, I have ideas that I've had written down for years. But one of them is another opportunity. We have a, some camp ideas, and we have uh, possibly like a, an intervention team, you know, of veterans who are kind of specialized. They'll have certifications, training uh, in first aid, mental health training. But they would they would go to guys' bedside, you know, uh, and we're, they it's a, it's a great idea for a nonprofit, uh, and they would they would help with substance abuse counseling or therapy and or mental health therapy and counseling, and for the families as well. Because we have to remember that the families go through hell seeing us, what we do. And, and getting better, my wife, my now wife, uh, I'm glad she married me, gratefully. But uh, I was separated from my first wife, and uh, I came across Sarah, and, and Sarah just graciously took me into her family, and her family did as well. And I kind of got, I kind of got adopted by him, frankly, and I fell in love with this girl, and but she saw everything. I mean, she saw the highs, the lows, the, 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 for lack of better words, slamming your head into the wall, which I didn't do. I'm just giving the idea that that's how explosive we can be. But it, it, takes, it takes an absolute uh, team of people to get one soldier better. And I'm not kidding when I say that. One person can't do some of this stuff. 
They just can't. And uh, would, we've got I would like to be involved with our organization. So um, if you'd like to uh, um, stick on the line and um, give Mary your information, or you can pop into our site any way you want. I'm definitely, um, I, I have a, I see a need for help, and we're a great group of people that would love to help, but we just, uh, you know, I, I haven't been able to get anything organized. So um, I certainly welcome welcome that if you're interested, and uh, I want to thank Absolutely. you for coming and sharing your story. Hey, thanks for letting me share, and I look forward to talking to you again, all right? You bet. You're welcome anytime. Thank you so much. Ryan from Maryland. All right, yeah. Oh, sorry. I think I clicked you off a little too early. All right, anyways, well, hopefully, Ryan, you'll stick along, and, uh, again, welcome to call back anytime. So up next, I'm going to bring Becca. Becca is uh, typically a behind-the-scenes powerhouse, but uh, I need to get her voice on the air right now. Um, Becca, Becca is an executive director. Oh, did she just dump off? You're kidding me. What? She just dropped. Son of a bitch. All right. Well, um, that's unacceptable. There's going to be hell to pay. Okay. So we got Creed from, well, I don't know where he's from, but he's got a federal a federal petition, it looks like, and he wants to talk. And let's see what's going on with Creed. Creed, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I, hopefully I have your name correct. Good. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. So what's uh, what's going on? I have a federal petition to get marijuana off of the schedule and federal substance with. Okay, and how, how do we act? Operator, help me out. Operator here. Um, he currently has 4,751 signatures. And he's trying to get 500 by the time his birthday rolls around, which is the 25th of April. If you could help, that would be extremely appreciated. Oh, absolutely. How how would we get access to this petition? Go to moveon.org. What's the website again, Creed? Moveon.org. MoveOn.org. And type in Creed Leffler um, petition to remove marijuana from the Schedule 1 controlled substance list. So you go to the MoveOn.org and you type in Creed Leffler petition to remove marijuana from the Schedule 1 drug list. Hold on, I'm going to try this right now so I can find it and then we can share it easier. Thank you so, so, so much. Okay, so I'm I'm on there. I'm on moveon.org. Now, where do I look from here? Um, type in Creed Leffler, C-R-E-D-L-E-F-F-L-E-R. Okay, hold on here. I'm trying to figure out where to find. Okay, he's trying to figure out where does he type. Is there a bar for him to type? That's what he's looking for. Yeah, I'm looking for a I know. 
Okay, hang on a second. I'm on MoveOn.org, Featured Campaigns, MoveOn Updates, Must See, Start a Petition, Manage Just, Petition. Just um, type it in Google. Just type it in Google? And All right, let me try just that. Type, just type in MoveOn Petition to remove marijuana from the Schedule 1 controlled substance list. Yes. All right, hold on. Let's see, move on, petitions. All right, here we go. Petition to remove marijuana from the Schedule 1 by Creed Leffler. I found it. Okay, good enough, Creed. I will, I will read this. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will read this on the radio, <clears throat> and I will tell people how to get there. I'm going to sign the petition myself right now, and we'll go on from there. So I will. Uh, all right. I will do all that I can. All right. Um, my goal is five thousand by the twenty-fifth of this month. Well, I guess. Goal is five hundred. I just, I just, I just signed it, and now I'm sharing it on my public figure page, and that way other people can share, can can sign it too. So hopefully we'll get a whole bunch today, and we'll see what else we can do from here on out. What do you say? Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome, Creed. You're very welcome, and uh, maybe you can reach out to me um, on Facebook or something. And that way we can communicate a little bit more about where you're coming from and and uh, maybe we can do uh, a little bit more. When I understand more about your story, uh, I could maybe do a better uh, a better interview. Okay, that's good. Um, okay, beautiful. Well, I know we got more people signing up, so um, let's see how many we get today. And uh, hopefully it will be a bunch. All right. Thank you very okay. much. Thank you very much. All right, folks, that was Creed Lessler, and he has a federal petition on moveon.org, Lessler, and all you have to do is uh, go to my public figure page, the one that has the uh, live feed that keeps bumping off. That's where to find it. So if you get frustrated by the live feed bumping off as I am, go ahead and zip on over to moveon.org and sign the petition to remove Marijuana from the Schedule 1 substance, which is a great thing. I think uh, I'd like to remove it from the scheduling altogether. It's where it needs to go is somewhere else. Okay, let's see what else we got going on. Oh, she's back. (laughs) All right, I'm going to get Becca on here before she skedaddles away again. Becca Nichols, welcome to the show. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm good. That was just incredibly bad timing. That was pretty funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I got a crap. <laughs> in the carrot, and then I'm going to pull it away, yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, well, that's what we get with the mystery show. You never know what's going to happen. So here we are. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing trying to reach out to these folks. I have been contacting and emailing local dispensaries just in my city of Portland, which we have hundreds of, inviting them onto the show. And I even offered them free advertising on their website and the show if they would just come on and talk about 
how we could work together to end prohibition. And I have gotten not yet one response back from any of them. Nothing. Crickets. Yeah. yeah. I, I and, and, you know, I just think that I, I don't know what to think. You know, I get talked to every single day by people that are either in or wanting to do uh, cannabis-based businesses. And I've asked them, too, and I've gotten, yeah, 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 I'll go. how do I get there? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll come. and not one, not one. I mean, i got people that are actually telling me, yeah, I will. But no, I haven't gotten one, not one. But I will. I, I, I bet you I'll be the first to get one because I'm just that, that kind of a guy. But I, you probably you know, will. It, it, it's not for lack of trying, and that's what really pisses me off. I know that we could do better trying, and not you, and not me, but the rest of the listeners and the rest of the world. Um, I know if enough of us reached out loud enough and long enough, we would get one of these people. I'd like to get a dozen or a hundred of them, but just one would be a good place to start. So, um, anyways, I, I appreciate everything you're doing. I appreciate the effort in trying to reach out, and You've been specifically reaching in Oregon, right? Right here in Portland, Oregon, in my city that I live in, because it's a huge, right. huge hub for pot. I'm telling you, there's a dispensary on every mile. But this is why I support the black market, and I'm proud to say that. I support the fucking black market, not dispensaries, because yeah, I don't agree with them getting all the money and not doing anything to help anybody. It's bullshit. No, I, I definitely know a whole lot more black marketeers that have done a whole lot more to end prohibition yes. <laughs> than the license chasers. And I'm not yes, saying and those are the ones I'll support. Yep. If I have an opportunity to get a license to do something, it doesn't mean I won't do it, but I guarantee you if I have a license to do something, you're going to see my name on billboards, and I'm going to be mm-hmm. explaining to the world how my company is trying to end this once and for all so we don't need a damn license. I would support a business like that. Yep, I would support a dispensary that was like that. It benefits them to help us end prohibition. Well, that's what I don't understand is is all the effort that people are making to try to stomp on their competition when why don't we just end the thing that makes it competition? <laughs> There's right. enough people and, and, and enough opportunity to go around we don't need to be a monopoly. Um, I met a guy who is a owner of one of three dispensaries in Rhode Island, and he was the biggest dick I ever met. He, 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 he didn't. I literally chased him out of the room. And this guy was a doctor or a chiropractor or something. Smart guy, gone through training, whatever, but. When I kept asking him these questions about, well, why, you know, he was he was he was justifying his position of owning this monopoly, and I was bringing up, you're supposed to be a practitioner, don't you care about your patients, you know? Mm-hmm. But I literally I chased him out of the room. He wouldn't stand in the same room as me by the end of that day, and it was it was insane. But it demonstrated my point. Uh, as Craig was asking, what do we have? A bunch of profiteers that have jumped into here. What 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 about you know the nature of all of these bills, all of the legislation that has come to pass, 
it always is rooted in the need to have access to this plant as medicine. And yet, when it happens, it happens in Colorado, it's happened in Oregon, it's happened in Washington, it's happened in Cali, and it's happening in the places in the East Coast that are doing it now, too. As soon as somebody jumps in, it becomes just a big green industry. And it's mm-hmm. just like the gold people stomping over each other's heads to get a claim, people stabbing each other in the back, people just doing the low-downest, dirtiest, rottenest things and not doing the right things. So I'm sorry I've got to call this one out. I'm going to keep calling it out till maybe one person will step up and tell me why your company should be supported. Because, frankly, I can't say that I support any company right now because I haven't seen one step up. I'd love to be able yeah, to. That nope. would be great. Awesome. All right. Well, I told you I wasn't going to take more than a couple of minutes. I'm going to honor that. Yep. I thank you for everything, <laughs> and I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again. Becky Nichols, Treasurer and Executive Director of The Human Solution. All right. We got Pete Yapel up next. Um, Pete Yapel is a rising star, and uh, he has started a chapter in New York City. Um, and he named his chapter Solidarity Over Separation. And one of the things that I've been talking about for, I don't know, I can't i can't remember how long, is why don't we stand together? Why don't the people and the groups that think similarly, why don't we stand together? Why don't we work together to accomplish this goal? And just the same as I will call out the businesses that are profiting from this industry, I'm going to call out the organizations that are supposed to be helping us end prohibition that won't work together. What the hell is wrong with you? And I'm not here to be confrontational. I'm not here to be um, adversarial. I'm clearly here to be frustrated because that's what y'all do to me when we don't work together. You know, all we're saying is give peace a chance. Why can't we work together? You know, why can't we do it? Why won't we do it? We can. Why won't we do it? And that's the question that I have. There's a handful of groups that I've been able to work with, a handful of chapters of a few organizations that I've been able to work with, but a handful We literally started a coalition over two years ago, going on, I think we're almost going on three years, but certainly more than two years ago. And when we started this coalition, we had, oh, hell, 100 people representing I don't know how many groups. We had conference calls that had... 40, 50 people on at a time. And it was shortly after I had gotten back from Wichita, Kansas, and um, supported a case out there that we've talked about numerous times, a jury nullification victory. That case that we did brought forth a lot of people. We, We connected with a lot of amazing people in Kansas and surrounding areas. Um, connected us with a lot of folks on the East Coast. 
and we had all of these people in all of these groups, people in Texas, people in the Midwest, people down south. We created the the UCCA, our grand coalition. And we took time and we built a website and we created some Facebook groups and hell, I think we have 4,000 people on one of the group site pages. And yet, when I call to action, when I say who's with me, you get the handful of the people, the dedicated, the willing. But there should be a deafening roar. There should be thundering hooves. There should be walls vibrating from, from the energy being projected of, yes, I'm with you. I want this. I want to end prohibition. I want to be part of the creation of a world where nobody gets locked up for a plant. I want that. But we don't. We don't get that, and I don't know why. So we don't have an overwhelming amount of cannabis. We don't have a single one cannabis willing to step up and tell us what they're doing in Prohibition. We don't have an overwhelming number of organizations willing to work together. Everybody's doing their own thing, which is great. So far, what do we got? A lot of disjointed, fall short legislation that still has a place where people can get locked up for this plan. There isn't one single state law that is protected from that, that actually takes it to a place where you cannot get locked up for this plant. There's always a place. So I'm saying, why? Why do we need there to be a place where you get locked up for this plant? Nobody's come up and answered that. Not one group has come to me and said, I won't work with you because we're reaching plenty of people. So what we look for are the movers, the shakers, the doers. We look for those people that are willing to take action. And Pete Yapel is one of these people. <laughs> Him and his wife, Helen, have been helping for a long time and participating um, on a number of fronts. Um, They've got a podcast, they've, they've set up a church, and they've got all sorts of avenues, websites and things where they, they educate people, they teach people about this plant, and, and uh, they're, they're a resource, an amazing resource. And recently they've uh, started, chartered this chapter, and, and now we're working together, solidarity over separation. So Pete Yapel has taken things to yet another level. And uh, he began teaching a class, and some amazing things have happened. And this is one of the lessons I want to bring to this episode, is if you take an action, if you stand behind your words, and if you're willing to act, amazing things can and will happen. Opportunities will manifest, networking um, Opportunities for action, opportunities for just about everything, if you're willing and you're willing to take action. So Pete has been one of those folks, and again, Pete and his lovely wife, I'm assuming they're both there. 
Let's see what's going on in New York. Pete, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm that doing really just nice, this. Man. fantastic. How about I yourself? really appreciate that introduction, brother. That was that was really really great to hear. I, 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 big ups to you. I you know I don't deserve all that much credit, but it, it's just like you say. It's just hard work. And when the, the next every time you're sit standing in one doorway and thinking you're walking through the door, you gosh, you're there, there's really three or four that open up and. We've been blessed, man. Um, we uh, over the last couple days, uh, I want to actually like do a call to action of anybody that's related to a part of close to near New York on April twentieth, four twenty. Yes, is the event. We are our class was scheduled to teach that day at seven in the evening, which we will still do and I'll still honor our class and be teaching our class. But we've been afforded the privilege of interviewing the libertarian candidate for can, uh, candidate for governor here in New York uh, to speak about cannabis reform, uh, civil liberties, um, and, and drug policy in New York, uh, opi- the opiate issue, and how cannabis can now become a viable answer to solving that problem. And uh, we've been blessed, in order, and we will be doing our podcast live on a special day um, instead of a Monday. Well, we'll do the Monday show anyway, but we will also be broadcasting on Friday. From there, the, the gov- uh, gubernatorial candidate will be there for questions as well. We're going to have him for two hours. Um, he couldn't make my evening show because he's doing the northern New York uh, part in the evening. So um, we're doing from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock at the Holistic Healing Studio in Sugarloaf, New York. Um, it's very important. We'll be posting it. You'll see us flooded everywhere. Helen will start doing her, uh, her, you know, her marketing, and it, it'll be out there. But please, if you know someone in New York, even if you're listening to the show and you know of a group that would want to be present, you have to understand, people, we ask for these opportunities. We ask for these opportunities for people to hear us. Okay, so if we are going to speak to the people that need to hear us and you live in the state of New York, you do not get higher than the governor. Let's remember this. So, you know, here's the person you want to be able to get your questions out to. Here's the person that's going to be standing in front of you that will let you know where he stands. Um, uh, Honestly, you know, even if he was opposed to cannabis, I wouldn't care. I'd have him on to interview to find out why. But in this case, we're blessed and the gentleman really wants to decriminalize uh, and 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 there's a lot that goes with it. I'll let Larry speak for himself. Uh, but the gentleman's name is Larry Sharp. He's uh, like I said, the Libertarian candidate in New York for governor, and uh, we'll be having a, him for two hours live on our show and there. And Joe, believe me, all of these opportunities have completely just simply opened up from, like you're saying, like just looking at things different. We've done so many things in this movement the same way for so long. We have to try to present and do things differently because the same old, same old only gets us to the same old place. So we need to get past where we've been. Uh, you know, people being in jail and people having to worry about treating for their health and, or, or anything that's related to the cannabis plant. There, it, it, the plant can't harm you. Why should any harm come to you because of the plant? So we need to keep that in mind too, everybody. You know, people are sitting in jail for longer for doing this than raping your children. Remember that. Remember this when you're electing people, you know. Uh, and, and like I say, we are, we're afforded this luxury, man. We're so excited. But, you know, once again, 
it's, you know, you think you're getting ready for something in 10 days and you're stressing over that and now you get this dropped in your lap, you know. But uh, we'll get through it because that's what we do, you know. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, as much as um, we're not typically a political organization, to work with candidates, to work with people that are seeking election and to educate, that is a big part of what we're about. And there's a place where, you know, we can operate well within our our, our mission and our mandate um, without being a lobby group. And this is one oh, of absolutely. them. Right. And, absolutely. And, right. This doesn't mean in any way, shape, or form that I am promoting this candidate whatsoever. That's not it. This affords me the opportunity to ask this gentleman, if I elect him, where is he going to stand on these issues? And that's simply all it is. Um, and, and a lot of it has to do, too, with, with what we stand for. You know, What about people that are serving time for this? What are we going to do about this? So how are we going to, how are we going to bring real justice back and truly just release these people? Because – uh, uh, let's be honest, man. When you're in jail for something that doesn't come harm, who's the victim other than the person that than the person that's in jail and his family? I mean, well, you know, we preach this every day uh, because you know we see people that are you know drugged down for 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 what for wanting to be healthy. I mean, you know, or or wanting to help someone else in that case be healthy. Please, I mean, you know, and you know, we we all know the joke, and you know, you can you can only die from you know. 15 tons of marijuana, yeah, falling on your head from a building. Yeah, we, you know, we all know the joke, but it's it's really not a joke, people. You, you can't die or, or or be harmed from this plant in any simple way, shape, or form. So why should people be serving time in prison and taxpayers' dollars and families being broken apart and you know broken, separated, and kids growing up without dads and moms because of because of what? Because of but, you know, some idiot, idiotic bureaucracy that we've been having to deal with for the last 80 years based on total prejudice and, you know, and, and no scientific, you know, fact or basis behind it. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, if, if people can't see it that plain and simple anymore, then we really are raising an ignorant society. And that's all I have to say and think about that. All we need to do too, though, Joe, is though, and I love the way you stressed and reiterated that is, I don't care if your fight in cannabis is for children. I don't care if your fight in cannabis is to cure cancer. I don't care if your fight in cannabis is because you like to smoke pot. I don't care what your cause is. We all want the same thing. We all want the plant. We all should have the plant. Should have never been taken from us, and that we should stand united with. Fight for your own fight on your own way. But we all need to stand together in that fight alone to end prohibition, and we couldn't be stopped if we just could do that and bury egos. Well, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, I know that you've chosen a very unique moniker for your uh, <laughs> for your chapter, and the idea of solidarity, you know, this ribbon that I wear, it's, we call it a solidarity ribbon. Um, we, we call for we call for solidarity amongst advocates among groups. What do you think it's going to take? I mean, fortunately, you locked arms with us, and we locked arms with you, and that was a show of solidarity. <laughs> and you didn't have to <clears throat> give up anything to be part of us, and we didn't have to give up anything to be part of you. That's the whole point no. of. Right, Joe. But but I think it can boil. It, I think it boils down to, to simply this a lot of times, and that 
that it, it's in the in the cannabis movement and in the cannabis business as many years as a lot of us have been involved we've all come across all had to you know you never let anybody stand behind you i guess is the way it always was you know you don't stand alongside you or in front of you so you can watch them but you never let anybody get behind you unfortunately in the business and i think that people even on the advocate level bring that to the table because when 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 we're Fighting with facing, you know, when you're especially when you're living in societies where it's complete black market, you know, where like, you know, uh, you know, it, you know, who's got the best dime bag, you know, I mean, it, it's it's kind of stupid, but really that's where it boils, I think, down to, is that people have that mentality that somebody's always trying to screw them over, they're always trying to, you know, hoist themselves up over the next person's shoulder. Well, it truly doesn't have to be that way in the movement as us as a one. It, we all still want the same goal. So if we could focus more on the goal itself rather than who gets there first, who looks best getting there, and who, or who has a prettier face, it, it, it shouldn't matter as long as we get to the goal. How we're going to get people to adapt that, that is, is very difficult. I think it works well with us, and I think that it works well with a lot, all of the people that I associate with, and I'm sure that you do, is because of the type of people we are. You know, I mean, we really have – this really is a, a thankless thing to us a lot of thing, times, and we're constantly, you know, bashing our heads and bashing our heads and trying to get forward for, for the mass rather than just ourselves. You know, it's for the mass. Um, but we all think along that like and along that same line. We're all overly busy. We're all overly booked, um, and, and I think that that's why it gels. Uh, you know, people that are just in it for the almighty dollar – in this business right now or for position in this business right now, I don't think we'll ever work with us. And that's a shame. Uh, but uh, adapting like, and especially people with groups, you know, like we talk about Facebook and, you know, and all the groups and there's shit, there's 65 bazillion groups, you know, but they're all a group for a reason. And the people within those groups have that same commonality and that same like, well, that's what the UCCA was all about, was bringing all of those together. And, and we did quite a good job of that, I believe, in the beginning. You know? And I'm, unfortunately, I got sick, and I really had to step away. But uh, uh, I think at that time, we were starting to change the, uh, the, the mentality of the group leaders. You know? Because as we all met on those phone calls and we spoke, you know, we all became uh, with that same thinking. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter. The end goal is we're going to end prohibition. And and then when it finally came true to us all that, hey, everybody is here for that, and there isn't any of this group knocking and who's getting more attention and than this and that and the other thing. You know, it it it, it was an easy it was an easy road or an easy fix. And I think that people were starting to adapt to that. You know, is that something to maybe try to you know do some CPR on it sometime? Yeah, yeah, I think maybe so. But then again. Then again, it, that's all just Facebook, you know, <laughs> and Facebook ain't changing laws, people. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> I hate to tell you that, <laughs> but I march a different march, man, and every single day Facebook has got nothing to do with what I do <laughs> or, or how or how things have come about or, or people now that I'm in touch with. You know, this is a lot of hard work and this is a lot of letter writing and emails and, 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 and uh, Helen's, uh, you know, marketing, you know. And it, it, it's, 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 it's being heard finally, you know, and that's, that's what makes us proud and happy, Joe, is that it, we're finally being heard, you know, like, and making a, a, making a real difference and bringing now real 
political people to our table, you know, and I think that that's something we really need to do and focus on. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I think that, um, you know, one of the points is a few years back there was, I mean, I got sucked into it to some degree. People were living on Facebook. I mean, it's not that I was stuck there, but I was somehow tethered to the damn thing. And all of the, the grief and drama that came of it made it barely a tool in my toolbox anymore. I really don't measure anything by Facebook's success anymore. But it's it's that. It's a it's a it's a it's a tool. It's a thing that helps us to reach some people. But most of the work we do, anybody that works with the human solution knows that we're working in real time in in we have real phone conversations and real video conferences and real projects that we're working on that are involved in creating press releases and and getting stories out and and rallying support and again facebook is a tool it's a it's a it's a piece of the puzzle but by no means is it the place to be all and end all i don't gather my news from facebook i don't measure anything by it sometimes most weeks i don't even really look at it i might post something here and there but i don't really spend any time gathering information from it the way I did in one at one point. So I'm hoping more and more people um, decide to come over to the other side, the side of, of life that has a pulse and 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 eyes and, and ears and, and um, you know fingertips and and, and and a real human voice. Um, and that's what I've been trying to build is this human voice. And I think that as we stand together and we get um, louder and louder and we speak with that that single beat the beat goes on and gets louder and louder i think we we get we begin to create that vibration that ultimately will knock this wall of prohibition down so pete um first of all um where and when is this uh event that you got going on it is uh on 420 at 12 o'clock from 12 to 2 at the Holistic Healing Studio in Sugarloaf, New York. That's on Kings Highway in Sugarloaf. Um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, when, when you get to this town, first of all, people, it, it, it couldn't be more, uh, <laughs> it couldn't be more fitting. Let's just put it that way. It's like a walk in Woodstock, if anybody's ever, you know, imagined, uh, you know, or, know, or knows what goes on. And just a small, crafty town of uh, really great people. And uh, Denise Orzek runs the place. Uh, she's an incredible professional uh, and, uh, and, and also an RN, believe it or not, and, uh, which makes it even more beautiful that she sees the holistic side better than even pharma and uh, it really pushes it and talks with her people about it. But uh, yeah, we'll be there and that'd be 420. And then the same evening, we hope you still join us. Our, our class will still be running at 420 there on uh, our monthly class this month. Uh, the class is on the endocannabinoid system, CBDs and CBDs. And um, we're going to break down, you know, endocannabinoid system. We'll introduce some cannabinoidal profiles to people, explain them how they work and what their, you know, um, uh, function is within our bodies. And uh, that class will be held that same night at 7 o'clock in the evening uh, right there still at the Holistic Healing Studio. Excellent, excellent. I, and I now know Denise. Um, 
as a result of you. And I, I agree, she's really a, a, a good spirit, and uh, she's a healer. And um, you know, I'm I'm grateful for her to opening uh, up her facility to you for your classes. And yeah, uh, so- yeah, she's a wonderful woman, Joe. And and as real as as every interaction you've had with her, that's as real as she is in person. I I can attest to that. Uh, and uh, she has a beautiful place there. She has a uh, uh, they do massage. They do uh, I forget all sorts of all sorts of holistic stuff, guys. Uh, everything from shenzitsu to whatever the heck else they do and reiki and uh, it, it, but it's it's beautiful. And then she has uh, you know, those healing salt my uh, uh, lamps everywhere throughout and gems and she has jewelry classes and it's it's really cool and the energy there is really awesome. So. Um, we hope you guys can, can come out there. And again, please, if anybody knows anybody in New York, just share it to a group. If you're in a New York group, share it to them. Tell them to please contact us at, you know, can we talk 420 radio is our, is our, uh, our, um, public figure page, or you can get me Peter C. Yapel or my wife, Helen Faye Yapel. Um, we're always on there. My phone number is eight, four, five, five, two, two. Yeah, sorry, yeah, why? I was rude. Go ahead, start all over again. All right, yeah, yeah. I I was just going to give my give everybody my number too. It's 845-522-3162. If I don't answer right away, please don't worry. I mean, it says right on there, can we talk and solidarity over separation. You'll know you'll have the right number. Uh, please leave me a message and I'll get back to you. I'm pretty good at returning calls with, you know, within an hour or so. Uh, but really, truly, if you know anybody in New York and know any groups in New York, know anybody even that would just be interested, even in our classes, please just have them reach out to us. We are mobile. We will take our classes elsewhere. We do, we do Monday night dinners, guys. Please just visit our website, talk 42 and then a small O, not it's not a twenty, it's like H two O. It's four two O dot com org net, you name it, it's in there. And and visit us, man. I mean you'll even see Joe on our webpage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it and I appreciate you and Helen and uh I look forward to uh watching this stream of consciousness raise the vibration and, and ultimately Get our goals. You know, let's let's create a world where people don't get locked up for pot anymore. What do you say? Amen, brother. All right. Once again, Pete Yapel with Solidarity Over Separation and Canna We Talk 420. Okay. Um, we got 25 minutes left. God dang it. How quickly this show goes. Uh, I got Tom Corby and I'll... Go ahead and drop the last of the mystery show. George Martorano is going to call in to close the show up. Um, so I'm going to bring up Tom Corby, and then with whatever time I have between the two, I'm going to talk about a man who did a lot to change the world as well, and uh, we'll bring his name to life just a bit. <clears throat> Tom Corby, welcome to the show. How are things in NorCal? Thanks, Joe, and all those on the front line, Mary, Becca, Lisa, and George Monterano, uh, helping to be a solution to end prohibition. Uh, I first want to mention Lance Glor, 
uh, I actually, uh, last radio show, I was going to share an Easter card from him. Uh, I finally realized uh, that his case is a federal case. Uh, he's yes. been shared in Oregon. Yes, it is. And, of course, he, but, you know, when, Doc, uh, when, uh, when we talk about, Bill talks about legalization, well, Washington, what's that say? He was busted in Washington. Uh, I have his number here, and uh, he'd love to hear from you. Uh, it's land score, and we always have to have their doc number is uh, 442700086. That's Federal Correction Institution, FCI, Box 5000, Sheridan, Oregon, 97378. He sent a postcard. It's really nice. Happy Easter. Uh, <laughs> and his mom, Tracy, is awesome. Coming for him so hard. It's so hard on the family uh, when their their son uh, is in prison. Mom, I just wanted to thank you for your continued support and big smile and check up with you to see how you're doing. Happy Easter you and yours. One team, one dream, and he much love and respect. Last quote. Uh, yeah, it's just sad. When, uh, when we talk about federal, uh, they're almost forced to make some kind of plea, plea deal. Sad to say that. Uh, most of the time, uh, they, they come with a Schedule one drug, can't use your doctors, your recommendations, your collectives. Uh, also, they uh, they uh, don't allow certain evidence in, sculptatory evidence in. Uh, uh, so it's a tough road to hold when you uh, when you when you're defending fighting a federal case and you're in prison. Uh, I want to bring up Dana uh, Dana Bill now. Uh, we finally got together again. He's very thankful for all the support. We had to, uh, we went up to a meeting, uh, posted it out there, up the picture with the Tabitha Toms uh, up up in uh, Shasta, Shasta County. And uh, uh, what it is is Dana Bill speaks and uh, he talks about uh, any prohibition is his uh, bottom line goal and vision, as is the Human Solution International. We also talked, uh, we talked about his case. Uh, he has a case, uh, another uh, motion hearing, uh, and that's uh, April 25th at p.m. Uh, that's 11 Court Street in Weaverville, California. He appreciates any kind of court support. Abby said, Brenda Young and, and uh, uh, Susan Bryant were there. Uh, said we can maybe have a carload at least come from Shaft, Shaft from Reading there, and uh, we're getting them support. Support they they realize now with Jay Statzer that uh, local court support most of the time uh, is what we what we promote. We can't just come. Uh, you know, three hours from here or, or wherever, and for these motion hearings, uh, 
he uh, also what he talks about and what he when he uh, I, uh, Frank Canan was here is here with me and, and Nick Moran again, uh, my two hey, secretaries. Hey Joe. Yeah. How's it going? Anyway. All right. So what I understand that uh, the other part of this talk and when, when we worked this case here when he first came. Uh, actually from Dennis Perone when he called and he came here uh, and Melissa Melissa Balin set this up uh, he talked also about Ibo Gain Ibo Gain and what it was, and he was targeted this is a schedule one drug Nick Nick uh, googled it it's a schedule one drug and, and what is proven and it, it's from Africa rainforest uh, it, it, it's, it, what it does is help people uh, get off uh, opiates and other drugs. Uh, it helps them with the withdrawal, the right, Frank? Right. And, and uh, so he was targeted for this ibocaine, but it's it's really helping him uh, with his health issues too. Uh, so sad to say, also uh, being targeted, he. Uh, this last Thursday, uh, uh, April uh, on April 5th, no, actually yet on the 5th, yeah, uh, he was pulled over again in Reno, uh, Nevada, uh, Frank's note here, Reno, Nevada, um, and uh, yeah, right, yeah, that's fine. That's okay, we got it. He was pulled over. I got to get back in here and talk. He was pulled over in Reno, Nevada. Uh, they said he was falling too close. Uh, the sheriffs uh, found two empty duffel bags in the back, uh, and they confiscated $35,000 from him that, that he was using for his uh, attorneys and his legal defense. Uh, thankfully, they didn't take him back to jail, uh, so we're doing a fundraiser of sorts for him. Uh, uh, we're throwing in some uh, some medicine and whatever we can for him to help uh, his legal defense. Uh, don't forget to breathe. <laughs> so we're going to try to make it up, uh, being 130 uh, for Dana. Also, uh, on my notes here, uh, getting back to uh, here, my notes here, uh, he, uh, Melissa Balin, uh, down there with you in L.A., uh, she has already has T-shirts. I don't know if you're aware of this, Joe. Uh, T-shirts, free Dana Beal for $25. She says, through the Human Solution International, there'll be $15. I tried to go to his website, Dana Beal Speaks, I tried to order them. I just could, I couldn't figure out how to order them, but we're going to order a few. We're all going to start uh, coming for Dana Beal as much as we can. Uh, that's all that I think I have today, unless Frank or Nick Moran would like to say something. No. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. All right. And uh, unless I'm ready now for George Monterano, honor him so much. Uh, 33 years in federal prison, and uh, he's just an amazing man. 
you did ever tell by looking at George how good he looks that he never, that he spent that many years in prison. It's just amazing. Okay, Joe, and all the day. Thank you for all listening. All right. Well, that's perfect timing. George just popped on the line, um, and uh, he's going to close the show out. I've got a couple more words to talk about. And then, wow, it's just a perfect brew. Mystery brew worked out again. All right, Tom, always a pleasure. You guys are amazing, and uh, I, I appreciate all the good work you're doing up there, and I'm glad to see some uh, movement coming up out of uh, the Shasta Reading area. That's great. I love to see uh, people stepping into it, and uh, unfortunately there's a need for it, but um, the willingness of people is uh, unlimited to what we can do. So I will talk to you all very soon. Thank you, guys. All right, George Martirano is uh, going to come up next. But first, I want to um, just make a few comments. Uh, if you can see, um, I'm wearing a shirt today, and it says on the shirt, PeterMcWilliams.org. And um, there's a girl by the name of Julia Rose, and uh, she's a very unique and special girl. Um, she's got some sort of a brain injury or some kind of a, of a, of a, I don't know, I don't want to call it a handicap because I've seen her in action, um, but she has a condition that makes it uh, difficult to communicate with some folks, um, and for some way or some reason, uh, she took on this project of the um, PeterMcWilliams.com, a, a, a memory um, remembering Peter McWilliams. So she donated. I've been working with her for, I don't know, maybe six or seven years. She's come on the show a few times. And she's another example of the remarkable uh, abilities of human beings. And if you watch her on Facebook or, or, or read the way she posts or listen to some of the things she talks about, um, she has chosen a lifestyle that is unique. Um, she has a, a way about her that is unique. And as human nature is, people sometimes pick on her or try to take advantage of her. Um, but we've always been good to each other, and I've run into her numerous occasions, and I've been able to watch her speak a couple of times. And it's quite an incredible thing that happens when you – Speak with somebody who, I don't know, is very childlike, and then they get up on stage and they talk about something that they're passionate about. Um, and I watched her get up and just transform into this uh, orator and to be able to speak plainly and clearly and with um, purpose and function um, blew me away. Um, and so... Just recently, uh, Julia hit me up because she's got an event coming up possibly in Canada, and she wanted to know she could come on the show. I said, of course, you can always come on. She said she has some T-shirts she wanted to donate. And I said, sure, of course, that would be great. And I made a little donation so she could send them. And um, she sent me a box of T-shirts and sweatshirts and um, much more so than I donated for um, so I'm wearing one right now, and one of the things that, that she likes to do is get these T-shirts in people on people and gets pictures of them. 
And part of the idea is to keep the name Peter McWilliams alive. Um, Peter McWilliams was a, um, a prolific writer. He was a poet, uh, wrote self-help books. And I'm going to read just a little teeny bit off of his bio. Uh, but he died at age 50, which is sad by itself. But to see how it was that he died and, and the fact that he might not be dead, um, had he had access to cannabis, is one of the reasons that we do this. So I'm going to just read a couple paragraphs here. Peter McWilliams, a best-selling author of self-help books who fought for the medicinal use of marijuana, died June 14th at his home in Los Angeles. He was 50 and had AIDS and AIDS-related non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. This was published June 26, 2000. So this is 18 years ago. Mr. McWilliams caught the crest of the wave of the personal computer revolution with his highly successful The Word Processing book, a short course in computer literacy back in 1982. But he gained attention in recent years by advocating print and in court the legalization of marijuana. His book, Ain't Nobody's Business If You Do, The Absurdity of Consensual Crimes in a Free Society. This is from 1993, made his case for drug legalization. He became a libertarian manifesto, and his arrest in 1997 for growing marijuana became a test of judicial tolerance in California. At his death, Mr. McWilliams was waiting to be sentenced in federal court after being convicted of having conspired to possess, manufacture, and sell Marijuana. He and co-defendant Todd McCormick were accused of growing more than 4,000 marijuana plants. Now, if you remember back in those days, Todd McCormick was one of the very first cases, and Peter McWilliams, that had gotten picked up by the feds. They had some mansion in Beverly Hills or someplace, and they had all these plants. But they were little clones. They were doing a breeding project. If you talk to them and figure out what was going on, who cares if they were all giant trees? It wouldn't matter. Anyways, they pleaded guilty to the charge last year after the U.S. District Judge George H. King ruled that they could not use California's Medical Marijuana Initiative Prop 215 as a defense or even tell the jury of the initiative's existence in their own medical conditions. And then ultimately, he died. He died because he was denied the drugs, the cannabis, that allowed him to exist. And if you were to read some of the stuff next week, hopefully Julia will be able to come on. We'll be able to talk more about Peter and his works. But he wrote some amazing books, including Come Love With Me and Be My Life, um, Surviving the Loss of Love, Life 101, Everything We Wished We Had Learned About Life in School But Didn't, Life 102, what to do when your guru sues you. And he was a prolific poet on top of it. Um, I've read some of his books. There's amazing wisdom from a guy who um, was living at a time when um, many of the things that he was and represented were persecuted and, and, and uh, stigmatized. So I just... I'm wearing this shirt today, and I have a bunch of shirts. If somebody wants one, um, let me know. The only condition is that you take a picture of it with you in it and maybe take a few pictures of it. The more pictures you take, the more we bring this name to life and the happier 
we make Julia Rose, and that's a big part of what this is all about, making the world a better place in a simple way. All right, we've got George Martorano to close up the show. If you all know, George Martorano is a dear friend of mine, a dear friend of the Human Solution, and a dear friend of freedom and liberty. He served 32 years in federal prison, and he came out not destroyed. A very unbelievable accomplishment by anybody. But not only did he come out not destroyed, the whole time he was incarcerated, he was an inspiration, and he still built people up, helped them, educated them, made the world a better place, even though the world was oppressing him in a cruel and unusual way. And today he's out and free, off paper, and uh, able to do what he wishes 32 years later. So we're here to help in any way we can, and together we stand united in solidarity. George Martorano, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Joe? I am doing great. Yeah, Cup of Joe. I look forward to doing Cup of Joe. And tonight, uh, <laughs> our topic How's it going? So tell us what's going on today. Well, tonight uh, I'd like to talk about this uh, fear factor. There's a blanket There's a blanket fear factor in America that still goes on today, uh, reference to uh, cannabis. You know, there's so many out there that have this fear within them. They uh, uh, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to uh, experiment with it. They don't want to help themselves, especially medically, which is it's a sad situation. And uh, and I come, I I I, I every day I, I I just one person try to just one person, ladies and gentlemen, that has this fear factor. Okay, that that is implemented and planted by our government. They're just they're so in fear of uh of uh you know they want they want to they want to know it uh, they want to experiment they want to administrate it to themselves and like I said a lot of them are ill but there's this fear factor so you know what what do you do? You do you tell someone uh, to go get literature? Do you tell someone to uh, look at certain programs? No. What you have to do is look them in the eyes and say, Listen, I'm you know, I'm a cannabis user, and I do it in a lawful manner, and uh, you, know, you don't have to fear it. You don't have to fear it. And then I go on to talk about uh, the criminal statute. You know, there's basically three statutes in America, ladies and gentlemen. That's the medical, recreation, and the criminal statute. Well, in all our 50 states on the criminal statute, you can actually have in your possession a small amount of cannabis. Now, the problem is, where do you get the small amount of cannabis? Hey, George, uh, can you hold the phone cannabis. up closer to your mouth? When, for a minute there, you were really clear, and now you're kind of muddled. Okay, how's this? How's this? Much better, much better. Thank you. Okay, so what I'm trying to state to everyone today is, you know, go out there, whoever whoever's involved with the cannabis in any, any shape or form, you know, there's someone, could be your neighbor, okay? It could be someone you work with. And you want to talk to someone, at least one person every day, and try to get the fear factor, the fear out of them. Because if you have the fear, if you have the fear, so many have the fear, and that's that's the problem in America today. That's what makes the legal forces grow and grow and grow. Fear factor. So what I'm trying to say is please do not fear. Please do not fear to even to talk about it. They can't say, I get this. Is it legal? Can we do it? 
can we not do it? And it's and it's sad. It's sad. They're, you talk to them and their eyes get bigger and they're afraid. They're afraid. Well, guess what? You cannot be afraid of something that's uh, that's a plant given by God. Okay, you should not be afraid. Afraid at all. And I'm not saying you go out and use it. I'm not saying you go out and buy it. But in your in, inside, in your feelings, in your emotions, if you're if you believe in it that it's wrong to persecute, talk about it. That's what all anyone has to do. Just talk about it. And it could be some obscure person, not a powerful person, that's living in fear. And 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 then again on the other side, the powerful people. I just left. I just left the dinner with some of the most powerful attorneys in my city, Philadelphia, and that's that's the topic that I talk to them very quietly, very sincerely. Do not fear, because a lot of them are getting older, and a lot of them have a, an ill wife or someone or they're ill themselves, and they want to get involved in the use of cannabis for medical use, but they have this fear factor. So everyone must get out there and talk, like this show does. Like Joe does. Joe? <laughs> well, that's what it's all about, George, and and getting out there and just talking and, and making a place for people to talk and, you know, letting it be known. I wear my solidarity ribbon out there, and people ask me, what the heck's that about? And it opens up the door, or I do something, or, or, or you know, you just, you just make yourself available. A lot of times that's the big key. But you're right, the fear is the thing that is keeping the stigma alive. And, you know, there's two sides of it. One are the oppressors, the people that want the stigma to be alive. But the second are the victims, which are the fearful, the people that fall prey to the stigma and the lies and the the prohibition uh, repression that's gone on. And then there's us. There's the the knowledgeable, the the enlightened, and the courageous, and the willingness to, to... Reach out to the fearful and and get them to open their mind just a little bit and, and, and to look at them with the humanity that's in your eyes and to offer them something that, that is safe and, and maybe will cause some relief of suffering. Um, it builds, takes trust. It takes a level of humanity, and that's what this is all about. It's all about expressing our humanity in a way that will bring about healing, and this plant is just uh, symbiotic in that whole relationship. Well, I get so annoyed. I get so annoyed that in dark days and times, and like I said, I did half of my life in prison. not a lot of marijuana. I, mean, I know the suffering comes from it, but I'm still out there on the front lines and, you know, just speaking about it. Just I'm not taking, buying it for anyone. I'm not giving it. If everyone there has freedom of speech, everyone has a voice, and that's what you have to do. You have to get there and talk as many as you can. And I'm not saying 10 a day. I try to do one a day. You know, in the course of the day, I want everyone tomorrow, just in the course of the day, just to count how many people they met, how many people they dressed, okay? And then the next day, it could be 20, could be 30, could be two. Next day, find someone to talk about cannabis and the good that it does for so many, so many around the world. Yo. I think that's a great uh, that that's a great goal and I say we should start to track it. I've got these T shirts to give away. Maybe if I get somebody that comes in and um, 
tells me about their their experience. They reached out to how many people. I'll give them a free T-shirt. Um, you know, we get, we'll, we'll do what we can. I don't mind bribing people a little bit. Let's see what we can do to to bring this to life. Well, what do you when say? you meet someone, if you, if you meet five out of ten people and you just say good morning and you want to go into another sense or two, it's usually about they're not feeling well. Something hurts. You know, there's there's a problem. And that's when that opens the door. You could talk about medical use of cannabis. It helps in so many ways. So, you know, that's just leading. But like I said, every day try to speak to someone. Try to speak to someone. Understanding, understanding. And then you got to tell them to pass it on to someone else. And that's what I do every day, every day, one person. And I I'm right there with you, my friend. Answer. I'm right there with you. Well, George, it's and always a pleasure. I always look forward to uh, hearing your words, and uh, I look forward to seeing you very soon. Very soon, brother. All right. Good night. Thank you. All right. Once again, George Bartirano, um, an inspiration to us all with a with a, a mandate. Let's go out and keep track of how many people you talk to on a daily basis and reach out to at least one of them and have a conversation about cannabis. All right. Um, did you say we got Glenn wanting to talk? Well, Glenn's still on the line, so I'm going to bring up Glenn real quick, and uh, we're running a little over time, but Glenn, did you have something you wanted to say? Um, just a uh, small update real quick. Um, okay. We got a call from Peggy's neurology uh, doctor today, and uh, her test came back positive for JC virus. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Um it's a it's a brain infection uh, and it's caused by all the pharmaceuticals the uh, uh what are what are the disease modifiers that she's had to take since we wasn't able to use cannabis um now is that the cannabis oil can be uh, a treatment for? It is not. There's not. There's nothing going to treat the JC virus. There's no known treatment so far for it. Um, so we just have to wait and see what goes on and what progresses from here, or doesn't progress. Well, we should hope for the best. Viruses sometimes will just lay there and not do anything. Maybe that's what this one will do. Well, we're we're hoping that this it'll take that route. Um, it's not with people with them. I mean, yeah, most times, most everybody walks around most of the time with a JC virus or some sort. Um, depending on your medical condition, depending on it, it varies on how the JC virus, you know, adapts to you or what it does to you. But with somebody with MS with a um, lowered immune system anyway, um, it, it becomes more aggressive with somebody with MS or some kind of neurology um, disease. Well, send send me whatever information you have about it. I work with a number of physicians and, and some that are doing some cutting-edge medicine right now. Um, send me whatever you have. I'll, I'll, I'll run it through the 
through the network and see maybe there's something maybe there's something that they can help even though they might tell you there's no known cure maybe there's maybe there's a treatment that can that can um hold it back or you know who knows i i i'm i'm a believer in miracles i don't ever uh say there's no way to anything so um send me whatever you can about it and i'll i'll run it through the the amazing network that i'm connected to Right, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll get that to you as soon as we can get some more information about what's going on with her. I'll get it sent to you. There's always <laughs> a positive, positive thinking. I don't ever, I don't ever cut that short. Um, if you can see it, you can make it happen. And um, you know, with prayers comes miracles. So I'm 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 all there. And um, you know, whatever we can do, just know that that's how it works. Whatever we can do. Right on, absolutely, and I know that this is an amazing group, and there's a huge, huge support system that comes along with the Human Solution. So, I'm, uh, again, I'm I'm just real glad to be part of of a group that like this. That's kind of an organization. It's really nice. Well, we're 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 here to help, and uh, you know, we're we're like I said, anything we can do, just let me know. All right, right Glenn Keeley from Ohio. Uh, he's running our. Creative Care Beacon Chapter. Actually, Glenn, um, since you're on the line, if somebody's in or near Ohio and wants to get involved with your chapter or wants to help out in any way, how would they reach you? Um, they can just go to the uh, Creative Care Beacon uh, Human Solution International Ohio Chapter uh, webpage, send me a message on there. You can come to my personal webpage and send me a message on there. Or you can just simply give me a call, and my phone number is 419 419- Fantastic. All right, Glenn. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow, and uh, let's let's dig in and find the answer to this. Right on. Absolutely. Thank you, Gil. All right, folks. Well, that's about all the time we have. I want to thank everybody that's made this show possible. I want to thank Becca for jumping in, helping out with a little screening. I want to help... Non-compliant Mary, of course, for jumping in and finishing it up. Of course, our Vice President, Lisa Woldridge, for doing the video. I'm not sure what happened to my feed, but it crashed about 17 times. I finally gave up. So uh, if you uh, are on this feed or if you know about it, please share it around. Let's help get the word out to more people. Um, If you're not part of the problem, or if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. If you're not part of the problem, you're probably part of the solution. So choose your side. We'll see you next Wednesday. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done. You were always on my